So this week on Freedom Fanatics, we'll be looking at job creation in South Africa and discuss why your vote counts. And finally, our quote of the week by Herman Pretorius. And this is going to be a great show, so stay tuned. Welcome to Freedom Fanatics, a production of the Freedom Advocacy Network. This show is every Tuesday at 6 p.m. on YouTube and Facebook, and you can find it on IGTV as well. Each week, we discuss the latest fan content with authors and creators right here. My name is Solon, and my guests today are Alex, who is our digital content coordinator here at Fan, and Marius Root, the first-time guest, who is an editor at The Daily Friend and a writer at the South African Institute of Relations. And Marius is also a consultant here at Fan. Um, it's good to have you guys on the show today. And uh, thanks for making the time. And um, first up, we'll be diving into our latest explainer video, which fan releases every Monday. And this this week's explainer video asks an important question: Where do jobs come from? So we can have a quick watch. South Africans are used to politicians making promises about jobs, but time after time, these jobs simply fail to materialize, and the promises fade away. But why is this the case? Well, the simple reason is that too many people in power do not know how jobs are created. So, where do jobs come from? A job is created when three parts come together. The first part is a buyer. It's a person or a company that wants to get something done that they can't do themselves or which they would rather pay somebody else to do. The second is a seller. A person who is able and willing to do the thing that the buyer wants. The third is a reward, something the buyer can give the seller in exchange for the desired good or service, such as a payment. Now, let's look at South Africa. Why is there an unemployment crisis? The reason is twofold. Firstly, although there are many unemployed people willing to work and wanting to work, not all of them have the ability to do the sorts of things that buyers of labor are looking for. There is a skills mismatch between what the job market requires and what it can supply. Addressing this means fixing our education system. Secondly, there are many factors discouraging potential employers from hiring workers. Think of onerous labor regulations, threats to property rights, uncertain growth prospects. The list goes on. These factors depress economic activity and discourage potential employers from hiring new staff. Addressing this means creating a favorable investment climate and eliminating the many obstacles holding businesses back. So next time a politician promises to create jobs, challenge them immediately on what their plan is. Will it work to create jobs and make South Africa more productive and more successful. Yeah, so our latest explainer video focuses on job creation in South Africa. Um, Alex, with regard to South Africa's high unemployment rates, which currently stands about 43%, I think, and we are at a crisis point um, 
in our country and we need jobs now more than ever. What are some of the reasons for our current unemployment crisis? Yeah, well, as the, as the video points to, there's, there's all sorts of uh, elements that contribute to our unemployment crisis. Um, and in the video, at least, we try to highlight the fact that I, I, think, I think maybe that the government or people in power don't know how jobs have created it is maybe slightly misleading. It's actually, I think they, they uh, just choose to you implement policies and ideas that just don't foster job creation. Um, and, you know, like things like onerous labor law regulations, uh, bad policies in the form of race-based policy, um, and all sorts of other policies that just make investment very, uh, well, disincentivize uh, investment into South Africa, which don't necessarily directly uh, prevent an individual from getting a job, but it creates an environment where there are no jobs to be made. And I think the, the biggest problem is that um, people lack the ability or the incentive to create uh, businesses that employ people um, and the, where the people in power comes into, into, into the picture is, you know, through those policies that, that undermine people's ability to help themselves and thereby helping others. Yeah. Maria, something I have to agree with what Alex said is that I think we're letting the politicians off a bit too easily. I mean, these are the same people who are like professional looters and they know exactly how to mismanage taxpayer money. So yet these are the very same politicians who for some reason do not know how a job is created. Well, um, I think it's spot on. I mean, a lot of these guys, they are stuck in uh, a way of thinking from the 1960s. We know exactly with our governments and you know they still talk about you think we're still in the middle of the cold war between the soviet union and the united states with some of the rhetoric and we all know that uh, there's some ideas that need to stay on the scrappy but our government doesn't seem to agree with that they still want to want the state to be involved uh you know the, to a very large degree in the economy and while i think an argument can be made for uh, some regulation in the economy we all know that uh, if the state has too much, uh, is too much uh, too too involved in the economy, it is bad for any economy, which means it's bad for the people who actually make up that economy. And remember, an economy isn't uh, just as abstract thing. It's uh, everyday people who are just trying to make their way in the world and get enough money to, you know, put food on the table, get a TV in their house. You know, everybody actually wants the same thing. They want a, a decent standard of living. They want to be able to go on holiday a couple of times a year, and they want their kids to be in a good school. Yeah. Another thing I also actually just want to ask you on is, do you think that there is some ideological goal that they are advancing by adding high unemployment rate? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think the high unemployment rate is uh, an aim of the government. I mean, I could be wrong, but we all know that the government does follow the, uh, the they, they do want to implement the National Democratic Revolution, which re uh, results in things like high unemployment rates because it's having the state too involved, as I was saying, which leads to an economy which is stagnant, which leads to uh, very lo low numbers of jobs being created. And we've, we've all seen what's happened with uh, when the people are, we have higher numbers of unemployed people. The uh, unrest we've seen over the last couple of days in Gauteng and KwaZulu-Natal especially, the large, uh, a, a large cause of that, or one of the main causes is because a lot of these people are unemployed. A lot of those people, if they had jobs, they wouldn't be doing this. And of course you can't condone the looting and so on. But if you have a, a lot of people who, are bored and in a lot of cases desperate. I mean, this is uh, this is what happens. And I mean, it's uh, a common phenomenon in Africa. If you have lots of young uh, unemployed uh, men 
uh, at least sensibility. I mean, guys don't have much to do. Somebody said, cool, well, let's go, you know, do something that's not, maybe not that legal. Guys, they won't necessarily be criminals, but they're like, yeah, you know, it's got, you know, I don't see any way out of this. And like, um, you know, this, you know, and then you have a bit of an adventure as well. Yeah. Thank you for your thoughts on our latest explaining video and our current affairs that are happening right now in South Africa. And to our viewers, don't forget to catch our uh, explaining video, which is released every Monday and it can be found on all our social media platforms. So you can check out our Facebook page, Freedom Advocacy Network. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Badger of Liberty. And now we'll be looking at our written article, our written content for the week, which is an article that was written actually by Marius Ruth, where we have in the house today. And in it, he identifies three reasons why your vote counts. So Marius, straight up, eh? I have so many friends to who I'm like, Owens, yeah, we need to go vote. <laughs> our future, our country is at stake here. Can you just explain to us a bit about the importance of voting? Well, I mean, <clears throat> to use a cliche, uh, people die for our right to vote. And we actually, in a way, we have a responsibility to go vote. And, you know, we can have a lot of complaints about uh, the uh, democracy in South Africa, but to a large degree, South African democracy still functions fairly well. And one of the best ways that you can go make your vote, you might make your voice heard, is if you go to the ballot box. Whether you agree with what the government's doing, then you can vote for them. That's saying, yes, you guys are doing a great job. Or if you think, though, you guys are doing a terrible job, then you need to vote for an opposition party. doesn't really matter who it is. No opposition party is ever going to match exactly with how you think or what you want. But you need to have a look at what they stand for, and then you have a look at uh, who, who, who aligns the most with your values and what you want for the country, and you cast a vote for them. Now, people will tell you your vote doesn't matter. But, of course, if everybody thinks like that, then nobody will ever vote, and nobody will never be able to vote governments out of power. But there have been instances in the world where a small handful of votes made a uh, change an election. Uh, in, in this article, I talk about uh, three examples. Uh, first example was in uh, the 2000 uh, US presidential election between Al Gore and uh, George W. Bush. <clears throat> in that election, uh, um, I won't get into it now, but uh, in the US, each state votes for a president and then those in the state sends a representative to Washington to decide who the president is going to be. So in Florida, the the uh, Whoever won Florida would get enough votes to become the president of the United States. In that election in 2000, nearly 5 million people voted and only 500 votes separated George Bush and Al Gore. I mean, that is 0.01% of the electorate. So it shows you 500 people out of nearly 5 million. That is how close it was. So, I mean, and that is, um, that is almost nothing out of such a big number. Then the second example was a local government election actually in South Africa in Mutale uh, municipality up in Limpopo, which doesn't exist anymore. It's uh, been um, in, uh, part of Musino uh, municipality and uh, another one, which I uh, forget now. But anyway, in that election, there was a tie between independent candidates, Zaya Mubanyane, and somebody from the NC called Sarah Rambuda. But they both got 823 votes, and they actually had to ch uh, decide who was the winner of the award by coin toss. And that wasn't the only time that's ever happened in South Africa, and it's happened in other countries too. So it just shows you, if there'd been one other person who, you know, maybe one of uh, Mr. Mabuniani's friends who that day was hungover or he just didn't think there was any point to going to go vote, if he'd gone, then uh, Mabuniani would have been the ward representative uh, for that ward in uh, Limpopo. Uh, then the third example is uh, was a state election in Germany in a state called uh, Turungia. Now, Germany has a system where you need to get at least 5% of the vote to get into parliament, whether it's the national parliament or whether it's the state parliament. So in that election, 
the Free Democratic Party, which is kind of your uh, uh, liberal party, but liberal in the South African sense of the word, uh, not the American sense of the word. Uh, they're similar-ish to, um, they're quite close to the DA in South Africa. But anyway, so um, the FDP, as they're called, they won 55, uh, uh, yeah, 55,500 votes out of nearly 1.8 million they were cast. Now, if they'd won 73 fewer votes, they would have missed the 5% threshold and they wouldn't have made it to parliament or into the state parliament at least. So it shows you 70 people out of nearly 2 million that voted in that election. They, they, they managed to get uh, the FDP into parliament. And, you know, um, if they if 70, few, uh, 70 few people... 70 fewer people have voted for the FDP, they wouldn't have made it, and they would have uh, lost out on a couple of seats in the state parliament and would have made the makeup of the state uh, government different too. So, and then on one last point, remember the last election, there are 20 million South Africans who are eligible to vote, as in uh, they South African citizens over the age of 18 who didn't vote. That's more people than actually voted in the election, if I recall correctly. So if we only get 10% of those people to come out and vote, for whoever, I mean, it could even still be for the ANC, but if they, but I mean, likely not, they might vote for another party. That could shake up things a lot and make uh, our, uh, our political parties from the governing party to our various opposition parties start taking people a bit more seriously. Yeah, absolutely. I also like the example you make of um, the Limpopo um, voting um, instance. I mean, like that's one vote could have literally exactly. determined the entire election. And I mean, like yeah. that's really the power of how valuable our vote actually is. Alex, do you have any final thoughts for us? Mm, I think uh, uh, with the protests and civil unrest that we're seeing literally sweeping across the eastern half of the country at the moment, I think it's important to bear in mind that, um, you know, we see on about 10 uh, instances like this every day in South Africa. There are 10, uh, an average 10 violent protests across the country. And in the last, just in the last decade, this has gone up by 300%. And on the same side, you've got what Morris mentioned in people not voting. So this shows that people are politically engaged, whereas maybe you and I might go to the ballot box. Other people are so disenchanted with uh, what's going on around them, with the sort of democratic processes, um, which goes hand in hand with, you know, we had to set Zuma go to, to, to prison for contempt of court, not even the actual corruption charges that, that he, he's alleged for. Um, and so I think, uh, you know, it's important that, that we believe in democracy and do everything we can to make sure that people exercise their democratic rights through, through the pen rather than the sword, I suppose. Yeah, Yo, that, that was really good, Alex. And thank you guys for that discussion. <laughs> And you can find our, all our written content on our website, freedomadvocacy.net. And now, finally, for our quote of the week by Admiral Pretorius, who is the director at the Freedom, Freedom Advocacy Network, the big boss. And Adam states, one of the most astounding and horrible similarities between the NP of old and the ANC of today is the blind ability to legislate and govern the most vulnerable people into systemic crippling poverty. And the past few days, South Africa has seen the consequences and the civil unrest, which occurs when politicians do not govern effectively and when they condemn people to generational poverty. Uh, Marius, do you have any final thoughts on that? No, I think uh, I'm on spot on. And uh, we know the similarities between the NP and the ANC. They're people who weren't worried about everybody in the country. They're worried about uh, select, or well, not a select few, but a certain uh, certain group in the country. They didn't, they're often in a way, uh, didn't uh, govern for all South Africans. The NP certainly didn't. 
the ANC, you could maybe make an argument in the 1990s and early 2000s, it did, but it's increasingly becoming a race nationalist organization and it's increasingly also become an organization only for, uh, if you want to put inverted commas, the elites or already the well-connected. The ANC doesn't do much for uh, the people who, uh, I mean, that, as we see now, this is why we're seeing this unrest in South Africa. doesn't do much for people who feel like they have no hope and, you know, they, they're in uh, complete despair. And this is why we're seeing what's been happening in South Africa. If people felt like they had a stake in the economy and they felt like they, that things would get better, I doubt we'd be seeing what's happening, what's been happening in the last couple of days in Gauteng and KwaZulu-Natal. Yeah. Thanks for that. So now we've reached the end of our episode. And don't forget to catch us every Tuesday at 6 p.m. on YouTube and Facebook. And to join fans, sign up at freedomadvocacy.net. And remember, guys, your freedom is worth fighting for.